Hello and welcome into the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Mike Graham, joined as always by Brian Navarrete. It's week 11, the final week of the regular season. This show is brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media. Hey, Brian, how's it going? It's going well. I'm excited to uh, be in week 11. And, you know, we got the playoffs right around the corner. But first, there's a lot of, uh, you know, district implications that we have to kind of sort out on Friday. Yeah, I think these are the best eight weeks of the season because you have the playoff drama and then the actual playoffs. And, and the drama part is uh, at its maximum in, in week 11. We're not even going to be able to get to all the games. Uh, we've been advised that uh, we need to keep it short because uh, drives around Lubbock aren't that much, and that's that's where you're most prone to, to be subjected to us. <laughs> uh, but we'll start with uh, what I think is the biggest district touches the most people, District 4 5A, because there are a lot of moving parts here. Uh, and first off, you've got a true district championship game between Coronado, 9-0, 4-0, Again, at Abilene Cooper, 7-2, and 3-1, uh, 7 p.m. Thursday at Shotwell. So if you're not doing anything Thursday and you're looking for a road trip, get to see the beauty of uh, West Texas, you should think about this game because uh, the payoff once you get there should be pretty good. Yeah, since uh, uh, Abilene Cooper first started district after its loss to Monterey, it's been playing some pretty impressive games. Uh, was able to beat Cooper, Lubbock High, and get through Lakeview, and now they're here uh, competing for at least a share of the district championship. But I know Coach Parr and them don't want to share it. Absolutely, especially not after last season. And, and uh, you know, Coronado beat Cooper up in Lubbock, uh, making the return trip this time. And, uh, you know, what I really like about this game is that these two teams establish themselves, I think, heads and shoulders, uh, you know, game by game, uh, better than the rest of the district. And you can make an argument that Monterey's in that pack too. Uh, but definitely Coronado and Cooper. And it's nice that they're going to be able to go up against each other and kind of sharpen each other up for the postseason. They won't run into each other in the postseason just because Monterey and Coronado are going to go to the Division One bracket. Cooper's going to the Division Two bracket. So you can throw a lot at them and, and uh, don't have to worry about it coming back to bite you, you know, three weeks down the road or whatever. Um, and these are very talented teams, and and a game like this can only help you when next week you're playing in an elimination format. Absolutely. Uh, I think both teams are kind of playing some of their best football right now. I think they found themselves early on and then were able to just kind of work out the kinks, and now you have two explosive offenses coming together. I think uh, Abilene Cooper is pretty fast off the ball, and uh, Cooper or Coronado's already – uh, I think even before the season started, proved that they were going to have a potent offense whenever they could play a full four quarters. Yeah, definitely. Everyone knows how good Coronado's offense is by now. We're not going to go into the numbers again, but let me just tell you about Cooper uh, over nine games, 51.3 points per game, uh, and they're allowing about 26 points per game. And you can make an argument there that part of the reason that they're giving up so many points is because they're scoring so many points and giving you so many opportunities with the ball. Uh, and that's like a two-to-one ratio almost in – and no coach is going to complain about that. Now, my, my only fear about this game is both teams are so good. Both teams really want to win this because there's a district championship on the line, uh, at least uh, an outright district championship versus a shared district championship. Each team has an incentive in this game to play their starters the whole way through. And at that point, you're risking injury. And, you know, there's, there's not much you can do about this when you get to the postseason. But wouldn't it be nice in a way, you know, you've got this locked up. You, everyone knows where they're going. Coronado and Cooper will be first seeds in their respective divisional playoffs to just, you know, get the starters a quarter and a half of work and get them out of there and, and you know, be maximum health uh, when you get to the postseason. I think it'd be nice. Definitely in an ideal world, that's what you want. But... 
that's not always what happens. And then sometimes you get these games that, you know, maybe you do want your starters to play all four quarters because you want a quality football game before you hit that uh, playoff push. But, yeah, uh, injuries are always, I think every week, they're uh, big. The, the chance of getting injured, I think, comes in every week. But, yeah, no, it, it, it would be nice at the end of the day, but I still think these teams come out and play a really – really big game just because of the district implications and that title now let's just uh we'll break down this matchup you know you've got coronado famed for its explosive offense has a fierce defensive front secondary i haven't seen anything wrong with them all season um but i think cooper is going to be the team that's going to be able to test them the best maybe other than, than monterey vertically uh ender freeman you know great quarterback we, we've talked about him a couple of times on the show um was name My- Myler Royals? Uh, it's, it's like Miller with a Y. Uh, he's getting some some tech interest at wide out. He's he's a very good player. Uh, burned Monterey a couple times in the game that I, I saw him play in. A really good receiving core. And, and like let's not forget that this team has two losses by a combined total of eight points, and one of those was uh, in overtime. Yeah, this this is a good uh, Abilene Cooper team. Uh, you name the players, obviously. Uh, I think with both teams on both ends, what you have is big playability downfield on any play, really. And, of course, you have some running backs back there that can help, you know, ease up, you know, the pass game a little bit. But, no, I, I think what's really key for Coronado in this one, you mentioned their quarterback. Their quarterback has been playing really po- or been playing really well lately. Maybe it's just the fact of rattling them a little bit, get to the ball, and I think they have the defensive line to do that. They definitely do. As a, you know, one thing that's really unique about the Coronado team, I think, is that it's two interior linemen. Uh, I think his name's DJ Clack and then obviously um, Miguel Garcia. Both just – they really pinch in the, the interior offensive line, make life so much easier for perhaps a Division One linebacker in Trey Stevens. Yeah, I've seen them uh, in the games I've seen from that defensive line. They really get at you. Uh, they can disrupt some things in the backfield as well as take away any run game. You know, when you have your your defensive line uh, being able to not only get to the quarterback but stop the run game at the first level, I think you're always going to find success, and Coronado has been able to do that. We don't want to give away our, our predictions for this game because we've still got the Lone Star Varsity preview show that's on Facebook Live. We'll tape that in somewhere in the 7 o'clock hour on Wednesday if, if you get this Wednesday morning. Uh, if not, it's already up there and you can, can replay it, but we'll pick that game. I think that that game is so exciting and I'm so bitter that it's in Abilene and we're going to be held in the office and, <laughs> and uh, attached to other things that night. Yeah, I think everybody wishes they could get out to this one, but we still got some other pretty good games going on. Absolutely. Uh, we'll just continue with the District 4-5-A picture uh, because there are so many moving parts underneath this game. Uh, you've got two teams desperate to get in the playoffs with wins, and then you've got two spoilers. Now, Monterey has clinched uh, the postseason. They're playing spoiler this week because they're not moving up or down. They're the two seed in Division Two, just based on their student enrollment numbers. That's how it works in, in 5-A. They divide you up. Uh, once they know that, once they know the four teams in the 5A picture, they divide you up two and two based on your student enrollment numbers. Uh, and the bigger ones go to Division One, and smaller ones go to Division Two. So Monterey really has nothing to do in this game because Coronado has a better record, and um, they're going to be the road team against Lubbock High at Lowry Field. Uh, you know, 7:30 p.m. kickoff at uh, yeah Lowry Field on on Friday, and Lubbock High really really needs this game but there's a caveat 
they need San Angelo Lakeview, which is winless on the season and hasn't been very competitive, um, has to beat Lovett Cooper. And, and that's, that's, that's the, uh, the big point there. Yeah, uh, they got to come out and get this win. Um, you know, if you look at Lakeview's schedule and what they've done through district, it seems like an easy one, an easy win. But I, I'm, I'm always an advocate of never underestimate any team, you know, no matter what it looks like. It is week 11. I've seen some very strange situations pop up in week 11. Uh, like last year, I, I had a game where this team had to win within a margin of 10. So... Yeah, I think I've attended one of those as well. So, yeah, so like, I mean, just what happened in this game, someone threw a touchdown and they caught it and it broke the 10-point margin. Uh, so they were celebrating a uh, four-point loss because <laughs> they went to the playoffs of the team that they, they were playing against didn't just because of that. But lots of crazy things. This, this one is a lot cleaner than that. It's simple. Lubbock High has to beat Monterey and San Angelo Lakeview has to beat Lubbock Cooper or else Lubbock Cooper is getting into the postseason simply by beating San Angelo Lakeview, which I think is like a 99.9% certainty. Uh, but we'll look at the Lubbock High-Monterey game anyway because I think it's going to be really well played. I think that Lubbock High, despite losing 49-3 to Coronado last week, had a really good game plan. And uh, I, I, I think that they've been getting closer to perfecting that they're going to try to keep the ball away from Monterey. And, uh, frankly, I, I think that uh, Lubbock High matches up better uh, in certain places against Monterey than it does Coronado, especially considering that when you give the ball up to Coronado, you're gonna, you're, there's a high probability you're going to get burned the other way. Yeah, uh, I think one thing that each coach, in, at least in LISD, always uh, points out about Lubbock High is that they're so multiple in what they do defensively. And I think that just goes to show, you know, that they're that they're going to be difficult to match up with. Some if they can get the right bodies on the right bodies, and they're going to be good defensively as well as. And I think we talked about this earlier. Offensively, they've kind of found themselves, found an identity as to who they are and uh, what they're able to do week in and week out. And like you said, they're getting closer to perfecting that. And I think that's big for them. And it's really going to come down once again to, to handing the ball off to Isaiah Johnson probably about 30 times. And, uh, and with that, you know, you, you have defenses that get so used to coming down, almost like muscle memory, just coming down to, to attack Johnson that you can uh, beat him on play action or uh, have another running back like Ashton Alexander be a change of pace guy. Uh, and really that's how it works. Uh, they're, they're very run-oriented. They're looking for leverage and, frankly, it's like three yards in a cloud of turf since they're playing on a turf field instead of a grass field. Yeah. Uh, like you, Kwame Wilborn, another set of legs uh, that they can throw into the equation. Um, no, I think Lubbock High is going to try to beat you with their run game, control the tempo, keep the ball out of your hands, and just try to do big things. You see this at the, sm uh, at the lower levels a lot whenever, you know, it's all about time management and running the ball. But I think they're able to do it effectively at – you know, in a 5A level. And as soon as they get to a point where everything's kind of uh, firing off in, the, in all the cylinders, it's going to be good. And uh, congratulations to Isaiah Johnson because I think last week he broke the 1,000-yard mark. Broke 1,000 yards, and uh, he has only played eight games, missed a game due to injury. So not, not a bad way to, to almost come to the end of the halfway point of your career, just a sophomore. And there are a lot of Division One schools that are taking interest in him. So it's going to be a really big summer for Isaiah Johnson, too. 
after I think the so. season's over. Now, let's just move on to Monterey since since we're in 4-5A mode. I'm feeling a lot better about them after their game against Cooper. You know, it's been kind of an up-and-down season for the Plainsmen. Uh, massive disappointments and, and big upset wins. I, th- I think that that win, well, maybe not an upset, but like a, a big win against Cooper uh, to begin district play. Um, and I really hadn't seen that team since since that game. And they really put it on Cooper uh, at points. Uh, Brylon Lawson-Young just continues to, to impress, you know. At the beginning of the season, he was only, you know, recognized for his arm, and now he is just as much a runner as a, as a passer, and uh, so big and physical, and that's a weapon when you head F into the postseason. I think uh, Hutch kind of touched on it early on in the year. Uh, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, I don't know if he was exactly hinting towards Brian Lawson Young being able to run the ball, but he did say that's a big kid, and when you get him on one-on-ones you're going up against somebody who's, I believe, over six foot, probably pushing 200 pounds. Uh, anytime you can get that in motion, that's hard to bring down. And he's just been really good for him this year. Ever since that uh, loss to Coronado, Monterey got back on track, beat Lakeview, got the big win over Cooper. I think they're in a good place right now. And uh, I think sometimes when you look at their record, it's a little deceiving as to how potent that offense can be and their defense. Um yeah, I think their record is a little deceiving whenever you look at where other teams stand in this district. Speaking of deceiving records, Lovett Cooper is a team that's lost its past two games uh, to Monterey and to Coronado. They're 5-4, and 1-3, and three, and once again, they have to beat San Angelo Lakeview. Uh, but that, that seems like it's going to happen. I was impressed with, with Cooper. You know, they've had some injury problems this year. If, if you, we began the year and you knew three names, and, and all those names – uh, have been unavailable for stretches this season. Uh, Jake Kirkpatrick at safety is getting closer to returning. Uh, I, he might even play in this one. You know, he's he's been listed week to week for a while. It's like Keith Campbell came back, Elijah Boyd. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going on with him at, at running back, but um, he he may or may not play. Uh, but Brendan Mel and in the passing game at large last week, Cole Carter at a receiver spot. You know, the other guy that was in the quarterback to begin the uh, the quarterback battle to begin the season. They looked really good against a really good Monterey team, a Monterey team that was playing well. Uh, and here they are, you know, looking like they're going to make the playoffs just because of the way the schedule lines up for them. Uh, what are your impressions of the Pirates, though? You know, it's it, just like Monterey just kind of been up and down this, this week or this season. Yeah, and I think a big part of that is they had to bring some new kids in to start in some key positions. But as you mentioned, they've been able to step up. But I think from week one to now, you see two different players in, uh, you know, in key positions where uh, they just needed to grow up in that position. And I think they were able to do so. Like you said, the injury bug got them. Uh, that's always difficult, you know to overcome whenever you have to you've been we're planning on leaning on some of these players at the beginning of the year with Elijah Boyd we expected you know the run game to kind of help uh their younger quarterbacks grow up and then uh, as soon as they did we lose Elijah Boyd so if you kind of take that into account you're looking at a situation where you're without a big part of your offense and uh Zykeith Campbell I think he's still having a great season absolutely 100 yards in the, in the Monterey loss yeah, he's he's a very key player for him, and uh, I believe he's just a junior. So perhaps uh, they'll have him back next year as well. And 
I think my overall impression of Cooper is, yeah, like you had mentioned, their record's a little deceiving, the up and downs that they've had. Um, they definitely need this win. I wonder if if your coach, Catwinkle, and, you know, if Jake Kirkpatrick's week to week and you kind of look at this Lakeview game, do you start him or do you sit him? You know what, I'd, I'd play him if he's healthy because he needs to get back to game speed. You could probably do that in a half, but I think he's got to play in this one. If I mean, if he's not ready to go this week and he's ready to go next week, I'm going to start him anyway. But it'd be nice to get him some reps and, and you know, see how he actually looks on the field because you don't just recover from an injury and then become yourself again just, you know, by stepping it's, onto the football field. Very true. Very true. you got to get back into that game speed mode and, uh, and experience it a little bit before, you know, these games become do or die. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Play him. Anything else you want to add on District 4-5A, or do you want to move on to the final game we're looking at? I think we, we've spoken a lot about District 4-5A. We'll talk about some other key games. Okay. Uh, this is the District 1-3A Division One championship game. Just the way the schedule lined up. You've got Shallow Water 8-1, 4-0, haven't, hasn't lost to a 3A team all season, whether that be Division One or Division Two. You got Muleshoe, which has really turned it around since getting into the district play period. Uh, they're 4-5. and five but they're 3-1 and one in district, and the only reason they're not coming into this game undefeated is because Littlefield pulled the upset on them last week. The Warren 84, I believe. Yeah, it was going to be a big rivalry game, and anytime uh, it comes to a rivalry game, I think it's a toss-up on who's going to win and who ends up showing up, you know? Maybe Miyoshu, uh just didn't have the game that it wanted that night, and Littlefield was able to capitalize because Littlefield hasn't had the greatest season this year, but... Obviously, they proved that they're still a good team. But in this one, I, I love the way it kind of it, it panned out, you know. Uh, we're looking at an outright district championship almost being won versus having to share it. And I think it's going to be a good game. I think uh, they have the players. Both teams have the big playmakers uh, that are going to make this one interesting. Yeah, we had Brian Wood come in for the Lone Star Varsity Coaches Show, which is just a click away if you're if you're listening to this on our on our website versus SoundCloud. If, if you're on SoundCloud, just uh, go to LoneStarVarsity.com, a big YouTube video, and you'll see Coach Wood. I, I thought that was one of our better uh, coaches shows of the season, you know. And he's a guy that's really turned a program around. Showed up, he was the uh, athletic director for Canyon ISD last year. Comes down, you know, inherits a two and nine football team. Very lucky to get into the playoffs. And now they're 8-1, and one, no losses to three A's, and uh, staring a district title in the eye. Yeah, one thing, and uh, I'll take this back to week one, whenever I did a preview on shallow water. One thing I really noticed when I went out to the football field, and I think this has been true for the whole entire season, is there's a lot of energy around the team. One of the things that impressed me the most was whenever they were running through drills, how everybody rushed, hustles to the ball. They've... They just looked impressive, and then you know when we were breaking down film, he brought up something that we might not have no, or we might not have noticed otherwise, and that's that they have a really good offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. In uh, in those plays, and you know he showed us a play where uh, in in pass protection, you know a little red zone, uh, I guess was a post pattern about from eleven yards out. Not a one free on a player uh, crossed the line of scrimmage, and, and Cutter Sparks also stepped back five steps, so. <laughs> he was not in danger at all. And I, I guess I have noticed that, you know, when, when you're a high school sports reporter, you're keeping your own stats, so you're really just focused on the ball carrier. But it is fun when you, when you step back and get to see things like that again. 
good tight end too. You know, they're they're a team that puts uh, six offensive linemen out there basically the way they utilize their tight end. Yeah, and then if you go back to that film that we were breaking down, everybody there was bodies on bodies everywhere down the field. I believe is the term that he used. And if you look at the film, you could really tell that even at the third level, everybody's still alive and trying to make the most of every single play. And I think that just makes you a better team. You know, I'll tell you the truth. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting more acquainted with, with Muleshoe. Uh, you know, they, they kind of fell off the radar for a while uh, based on their non-district performance, but they're going to the playoffs no matter what happens in this game. And we've been receiving their stats and just the jumps. I mean, it was like flatline, 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 jump and then jump, 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 and uh, here they are. You know, the, the, the little field lost stings, uh, but they can come into this game and, and tie for a district championship, and, and that would mean something after, you know, I think that at one point this team was 1-4. Yeah, I think for Miyoshu it was all a – it was a process. It was finding the right players to put in the right positions. I think that's where you saw that spike – uh, they end up, you know, putting in some new kids under center. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I think it's just finding your identity, which happens in a season, especially after you graduate, uh, you know, your backfield and some big key players. You always got to find your identity again. And I think that's what happened to the Mules. And it takes a couple games to do that. But now you're looking at a team that could very well, you know, uh, upset shallow water, I think. Mule Shoe was the second-to-last South Plains team to win an 11-man football championship behind Idaloo. Yeah, I, I think it's it, – they're a good team traditionally. You know, in the last couple of years, I've always been impressed with the with the Mules. Uh, I regret not being able to get out there more, but, you know, now we're, we're going to get a chance to see them. And that's going to do it for us. We really appreciate you guys stopping by. It's been a fun regular season. We'll be back to, to break down uh, Week 11 uh, this weekend and then look ahead to the playoffs. So it's the, it's the most wonderful time of the year, like uh, Don Crosby says. <laughs> and this show is brought to you by the University Medical Center, powered by AJ Media. We can't wait to see you on the Facebook Live show and this weekend when we get back together to talk about Week 11. Thank you very much. Have a great day.